So welcome to our latest Cricket Coach 365 podcast and um, we've been developing a bit of a theme over the last few weeks which has been in and around women and girls cricket um, and uh, today I'm absolutely delighted to have join us Denisha Devnarine um, all the way over in South Africa who is currently the uh, South African Women Under 19's head coach and she's going to tell us a little bit more about that privilege and role in our conversation. Um, but Denisha's um, progressed all the way through junior pathways within South Africa to p- represent her country um, at full international level, uh, but has now turned her her career vocation and calling to the coaching um, profession. So welcome, Denisha, and thanks for joining us. Hi, Tom. Thank you so much for having me. Um, yeah, really privileged and honoured to do something like this, yeah. Well, I know, it's, it's our privilege and honour to uh, to have you with us, so uh, thank you for making the time. And um, as we've spoken about on off, offline, um, we've we've now had, I think, four or five conversations um, with various uh, stakeholders, various individuals who are involved in the women's game in the UK, but um, we haven't yet had anybody speak from outside of the UK, so... Um, I think for all of our listeners, it's going to be fascinating to to hear and build our understanding of of what it's like to um, you know progress and develop through the pathway system in South Africa, uh, based on your experience, and and also to hear about um, coaching in South Africa. So, so may, maybe to begin with, if you don't mind, uh, take us back to when you know that time when you first started playing South Af- uh, playing cricket in South Africa. Tom. Um, yeah, so I was actually born in a, a little town called Springs, so it's in Kauteng, um, and at the moment I reside in KZN, um, and I grew up with a lot of boys around me, um, so, you know, the usual soccer, uh, you play different types of water games, uh, and to be honest, on that list, cricket was my last on the list, I, I don't think there was a passion for it in the, in the area that I stayed up until, I think it was a World Cup that was on. And that obviously sparked a lot of, um, you know, a lot of hype around where I stayed. And then I think, you know, I started just like any other cricketer. So it was backyard cricket. And uh, we carved out a bat because we didn't have cricket bats. So we carved out one lucky uh, carpenter stayed next to us. And we actually used, I don't know what we made, uh, but obviously we put installation tape over this, this round object. And we said that's going to be our ball. And... I think from then, that's where the passion started. Uh, that's when I had my first go at cricket. And then I followed cricket because my brother was in love with it. Um, and yeah, I think from the World Cup, uh, you know, I found it a little bit odd and strange that, uh, like my dad and them, they only knew it was men's cricket. And I was like, oh, come on, that, that, I'm, sure, I'm sure that's not a thing. Um, and then so we moved to KwaZulu Natal in Durban uh, in 1999. And my dad did a lot of research and stuff, and we uh, we found out that there is women clubs. Um, so it wasn't age division yet. Uh, so it was open women, and you know, and, and and from there, I just I just never stopped. Um, look, I did play other sports, so I played a little bit of volleyball and uh, soccer on the side. But I think uh, as soon as I picked up that bat and and that ball or well, that makeshift ball, <laughs> um, you know, I, I I couldn't get away from the game. Um, so yeah, I think that's where. The whole cricket, the passion, the love for the game started. 
Wow, what a, what a fantastic story. What a wonderful picture you've kind of helped build in our minds. You know, if you don't mind, uh, going back to that that first time you picked up a, a bat that your you know, your neighbor helped carve for you and um and you you know you, you bowled a ball with the insulation tape. Just tell us a little bit a bit more about that scene as far as you recall it. Yeah, I thought it was it was very fascinating. I mean the further you hit the ball the more popular you got <laughs> and the more quicker you bowl the ball. Um that was really nice as well. And I think because it was such a new sport to everyone in my neighborhood um, I really picked up the, the trade really well. So I was that, and, and I love it because I was the only female there, and I was that girl that was hitting the ball further or bowling the ball a lot quicker. Uh, the only problem I had is that we didn't have stumps, so we'd use the chalk line to draw stumps on the wall. So uh, every time I batted, and if it hit that chalk line, I would like I would refuse to let the bat out and be like, no, um, I'm not out. Uh, so it was a little bit of there was a little bit of banter going around, uh, but it was a very nice feeling. I think you know I just love the intricacies of the game. I think that's what developed really early on, and I just wanted to become so competitive in it. So first, it was a male-dominated sport, one, and second of all, I love the whole technicalities around the game. Um, you know, and then it was like we protecting our wicket, so that was like my safe house, and you know I just wanted to bat the whole time. Um, unfortunately, yeah, it didn't happen all the time, but um, it, it's a it's a moment I'll never forget. Um, it's very special to me. Ah, uh, well, we can we can tell just by the tone of your voice, and I think um, you know anyone listening to uh, to this uh, story will be able to kind of almost put themselves in your shoes and imagine what it was like to um, take up the uh, the battle with the with the boys and the guys around you, being the only the only girl and. Uh, and show and show them uh, your true value. Um, so so things sounds like things when you moved um, into uh, you know new new home and, and surroundings in Durban that things started to to take off a little bit. So so what was what was it like then in terms of playing cricket as a as a as a young woman um, in still a predominantly male dominated sport? Yeah, look, it was very difficult, Tom. If I must be honest with you. Um, at that time, women's cricket was unheard of. Um, it wasn't professional. Uh, you couldn't make a career out of it. Um, but I just loved the sport so much. And um, so I obviously went into this women's league. So it's a club cricket league. And, and the more you, the more I started playing, the more I realized that you can get selected for, you know, KZN school. So it's your provincial colors. And there is a national team. Uh, but obviously, they're not professionalized. So it's something you've got to do on the side. And obviously that upset me a bit because, you know, um, at that time I'm just this young little girl. I couldn't understand the dynamics of the sport in terms of male, female. I just thought it was unfair. Um, so I had a crack at it the first season. Um, and I think, yeah, I was like only 10 at the time or 11 and I played with senior women. And uh, in KZN, I topped the bowling rankings, which was brilliant. So um, obviously there was a lot of people that noticed me and I went for KZN schools. I actually made a high school KZN team when I was still in primary school, uh, which was cool. It was really nice. And then in grade 10, so that was then eight, I got selected for the KZN women's team. Um, yeah, and then obviously my debut for South Africa was, I just matriculated. Um, so yeah, look, it was very difficult, but I, I must give credit to my dad. 
um, because we had a long chat about this. He could obviously see that the passion was growing and growing, and there's no way that I was not going. I was just going to stop playing the sport. And he said, he said, I will back you whichever way you want to go. Um, you know, that time we had to pay money to to tour for schools. Um, and I remember him hosting fundraisers just to get the funds. And he said, I'll let you follow your passion. And you just make sure academically you're up there with me. Um, because I think for every, where I grew up, especially the area that I live in now, I think, you know, every parent wants their, their daughter to be a doctor, a lawyer, accountant, and that sort of thing. So I'm really glad my dad still let me follow my passion. But he said, you know, academically, you've got to go up there. And, you know, that's exactly what I did. And then I managed to get two bursaries because of cricket. Um, and I'm still able to pursue my academics well. So, so what, I mean, that's, that's wonderful to hear that you had such a supportive um, father figure. Uh, but what, what do you think um, made him sort of stand out from the crowd compared to, you know, everybody in the local area who wanted their daughters to go into a profession um, such as what you described? What, what was it that you thought you think it was, the, was the clincher for him? Um, he's late now. I actually lost him in 2010, so I would actually love to uh, hear his answer. But I think he obviously knew that I had something special and I was different. Every time he saw me on the cricket field, I was a different person. He could see that joy, that happiness. Uh, but also, I think he was just a genuine family guy. Uh, he wasn't the guy that would follow societal rules. And, you know, he was he was hell-bent on, it, it's, it's my life. And if you want that, fine, but you've got to have a backup plan so his personality played a massive part in that um he was so open to the idea he didn't close me up in a box and say this is what you're going to do uh so it's a little bit of his personality and also i think that he saw that um, obviously when i played cricket i was really in a very happy space that's uh, that's fantastic to hear i think um most of most of the people who follow um myself and cricket coach 365 online um were either um, I think the thing that binds us all together is this passion about um, cricket and, and, and trying to kind of give back to the next generation, whether they be boys or girls um, all over the world, wherever they may be, but to, to help them enjoy this game that we all love. But I think many of us are also parents ourselves um, or, have, if, or have coached and seen the, the kind of the, um, the unquestionable love um, for children from other parents sometimes conveyed in a really positive way and then other way other times in a, a less positive way but still coming from the right place uh, but it sounds t- to me as though in the case of your dad he was you know he's incredibly supportive and could see how much you really loved uh, playing the game so um, good for him is what I say so so how old were you when you made your debut for South Africa Denisha? Articulated. I just turned 17, um, so 2008, um, you know, I, I, I had the privilege to, you know, represent your country, um, and yeah, I mean, we we lucky enough, well, I was lucky enough to have a, a home debut, uh, which I think is really special, we were in Cape Town at the time, and we had a World Cup qualifiers, um, so we played against Ireland, Pakistan, um, West Indies was there as well, and, you know, um, and I'm, I'm glad that we actually qualified for the World Cup. So it was a pretty, pretty special moment for me. And my dad got to see me um, 
you know, in 2008, I, as I mentioned, I lost him in 2010. Yeah. So that was like a really, really special moment to me. Yeah. So talk, talk us through again. Just take take your mind back to that, uh, um, that that day. Whether it was um, just about to go on the field for the first time, or whether it was, you know, you're about to bat, or whether you're about to bowl. Um, what were your feelings going through you at the, at, the, at that particular moment? Oh, it's 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 one of those those questions that still gives me difficult um, a difficult time to answer because the only thing I can remember is just having goosebumps the whole time. <laughs> I don't think it sunk in uh, when we were at training camp or you know the day we you know we arrived as a team and we did all of these things. But when it was game day, I think the night before I battled to sleep. I tossed and I turned and I couldn't understand like what was happening at the time. Um, and then that moment when you sing the national anthem and you, you know, you're in green and gold, and you know th- that emotion will never, ever, ever leave me because um, I took it throughout my whole play- playing career, and now even when he plays on TV, I, regardless of where I am, I have to stand up and you know I close my eyes and I sing the national anthem, and that gives me so much pride. It gives me so much joy to actually be in a position where. You know, I'm blessed, um, and it's exactly that. I'm blessed to be part of a structure that I can still give back. Um, and, yeah, that's an amazing thing about sport, uh, let alone cricket, is that, you know, it brings people together and, you know, it makes us unified, especially for a diverse country like South Africa. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's really special for me when I talk about the national anthem. Um, and then in terms of playing, I was very nervous because I opened the ball in then for South Africa. Um and I was just glad to land the first ball <laughs> because mm. I was actually scared. Uh, I didn't want him to go fetch it at fine link. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think after that first game, you know, um, I just said, "You've had your moment now. Now it's time to do well for your country." So who who was it? Who was the very first game against, and who was the person you bowled that very first ball against? Yeah, we had uh, Ireland at the time, and. Um, I think it was McCartney that was batting at the time, so um, it was a dot ball, so, so that helped me out a lot. Um, and then, yeah, I think in the fourth over, I got my first wicket, and that was um, O'Reilly, I think, at the time. Um, and it was a classic bold in Swinger, so that was something I, I also won't forget, but um, yeah. Wonderful, wonderful. And did, did you get a chance to keep um, a scorecard or anything like that from that first match representing the country yeah i do have a box of a lot of stuff um at that time it wasn't very marketed well um so to be honest i wrote it down in my diary <laughs> um and that's a diary i still have with me uh that whole tour actually every day i try to take something and just write in there now and then i'll go back and leave it and, and you know just realize how far i've come as well um but yeah that's a that's a pretty old diary but it's a very special well, good for you for keeping one, because um, if there wasn't much in the way of uh, resources available at the time for you to have, you know, had the foresight to um, to commemorate that in some way was uh, was very was very smart. And I, I mean, I, and as for your recollection of um, standing up and goosebumps to the South African national anthem, that happens to me listening to the South African national anthem in any sporting environment. To be honest with you, I think it's one of the most moving pieces of music um representing a country that there is anywhere in the world so um i can only i can only guess i can only imagine what it must have been like for you uh playing your playing your debut then 
Um, so, so with regards to um, your playing career, what would you say, apart from your debut, what would you say your, your highlights, things that you always look back on with great fondness um, in particular, any particular moments? Yeah, I think um, definitely, I think we were the first women's team to play at Lords. Uh, that was massive, really, really massive in my career. Um, you know, just, just from, if I take you back to when it started, I just started to become a student of the game. And um, look, Lords was, it was something I never thought I would achieve in my life. Um, you know, and I think, you know, we got we got a hide in that game. You know, it, England made like 360-odd uh, we got bowled on very cheaply, but the point was is that I actually um, I played on Lords, and uh, it was the most moving, moving experience in my life. I still talk about it up until today, and even when I coach, I just try and you know educate these girls about how much of history that that ground possesses, and you know it, it it's been a, it was a massive. I mean, just sitting there. Or just walking through the long room, I I felt like I was somewhere else, and I think the rest of the team felt it as well. Um, not to give any excuses for poor poor performances, I just thought England was a way superior team on the day. But what a moment! Um, something I'll definitely treasure for a very very long time. And what was that? What was what year was that, Tanisha? That was twenty ten. Twenty ten. Right. Wow. Uh, yeah, and did is that the the one and only time you played at Lords, or have you played subsequently? No, that was the one and only time. I think that's what makes it really more special. Yeah, I can yeah. imagine. Yeah, imagine if you get the chance to uh, to go there in a uh, in a year or so's time with um, with the team that you're coaching. Yeah, I'll definitely take more pictures this time and, and lots of videos as well. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I, what what about? Um, coaching then. So, what? When was it that you uh, thought to yourself, "Ah, oh, right. Well, um, this might be something that I could look at as a career beyond my playing days." What? What was the? Who or what were the influences that made you come up with that kind of plan for post playing? Yeah. Look, um, I had quite a lengthy career, but I didn't have a lot of game time. Um, so. I always, I always wanted to help people in general. I have a pure passion for people. Um, I just love seeing people succeed. Um, you know, and it's not just on performance. I mean, I think it's just in life in general. Uh, so like getting a new car, getting a new house, buying a new pair of techies that you couldn't afford. So, you know, that just always like drove me to be better um, in life in general. So the whole coaching experience, I, I realized that there was a shortage of women coaches at first. And there was a lot of coaches being coached by men, uh, which I didn't find any um, wrong to it. I just felt like maybe we could, you know, that's that's an avenue that I think as a country we can be way better in. Um, so I just started actually just coaching. Obviously, I want to give back. Um, and I actually coached a lot of boys more than girls. Um, and I still didn't think it was a career then. I just said, you know, it's just something I can do and I want to do. Um, so yeah, I just started it off, just general like general school coaching, maybe your age group coaching, and and then I I decided if, if I'm really gonna give back, I should probably educate myself and start getting my South Africa level one, level two coaching certificates, and then it was in 
we had a tour in West Indies. I think it was twenty. It was twenty eleven, and I, the whole the whole series I didn't play. I actually sat on the bench. But what I decided to do was, um, you know, spend a little bit more time with the coaches, um, because I was such a student of the game. I wanted to know, so I'll give myself targets, even though I'm not playing. Um, you know, I wanted to say like how the pitch was going to play, and then I started enjoying it more because my feedbacks in the team meetings started to become of more substance and I really enjoyed that feeling um you know so even though I couldn't be on the plane 11 I always felt like I could give back in terms of knowledge or you know how we can get a competitive edge against the opposition um so then I I said okay let me just maybe try and do cricket coaching as a part-time gig um at KZN and um they have like a Cricket South Africa has like a hub program here where you you help underprivileged kids mm-hmm. um, to play the sport, um, and that, that that was very beneficial in my life. It was so rewarding in my life actually. Um, so then, in 20, 2012, I did my Cricket South Africa Level Three coaching certificate. I was the only female in that class. I was around ex players. Uh, that's top coaches now at the moment. Um, I think in that class I had Charles Langerfeld. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, I had Charles Langefeld in my class. I had Cliffy Deacon, mm-hmm. uh, who's a physio now for Pakistan. I have, I was I also had Prasanna, which is the South African men's cricket analyst. So you know, I had a really good class. Um, and you know, I finished top three in that class, hmm. and I was the first lady in KZN to obtain a level three coach. Um, and then. I decided to take the KZN women's team coaching gig. So it's a provincial cricket and some sort of elite program to that. And I still played international cricket while I did this. So I had a very, very full, busy schedule. Um, and then I think, you know, I studied, I tried the studying route. Um, you know, I qualified in a financial accounting degree. And then I did my second degree, which was a human resource management and I just couldn't. I just couldn't do it. Um, I got so much of. Um, I've got so much of reward and so much of love and passion from that. I, at that point in my life, I said, I can go and I can get a good salary, and you know, you'll be you'll be okay. You'll be well in life. And I always, up until this day, remind myself that I don't do this for the money. If ever someone finds their purpose in life, mine is definitely coaching. Mm-hmm. And I've come to realize that in the last three years is that nothing or, or anyone will come close to what coaching gives me. And that's only because you're in a position to do better and give back and make people's life, you know, successful, which really drives me as a person. It sounds to me like you have definitely found your calling. And um, it also sounds, I'm sure, to everyone else listening as though you've packed so much into it, what is still a very young life, you know, both um, individually, both as uh, a family member, as a student, um, as well as a coach. So um, it's quite remarkable listening to you, actually. Um, one, one of the themes that's emerged during some of our uh, previous podcasts is is dealing with disappointments and dealing with setbacks. And obviously, you've, pa- you've, you've mentioned the, the passing of your father, which I'm sure was a was certainly an example of, of that. But from a personal point of view, either playing or coaching, have you have you had moments where you've thought to yourself, is this really what um worth it all? Is this really what I want to do? And and if so, 
what were they and how did you overcome those moments those 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 challenges yeah tom uh, definitely a lot definitely a lot of challenges um so obviously for the first thing early on my career is that and that's why my dad is so special to me just regardless of him being my father um we weren't very financially stable when mm-hmm. we moved to durban and he moved because of the safety of his daughters mm-hmm. um because where we stayed it, it just started getting really bad there so he moved he left his job everything he came to nothing and this is actually his mom's house that we stay in now and so the first thing was that i had to go to a normal public school uh, you know you share textbooks um mm-hmm. you know it, it it's it's a really difficult time for me but i do want to share this because um i i do believe it's made me to the person i am now uh, and i'm so grateful for it uh not that i wish it upon anyone but you know there was a time where if you took the last slice of bread from the table you would actually be scared because you're not sure if if everyone's eaten enough mm. you know it it was that bad i would study with the candle uh lit because i don't want to waste electricity um you know so obviously we we had a difficult time but we were never short of love care and support in the family which i i love my family for that day but also i have so much so much uh, to be grateful for because of cricket uh cricket has given me an education so i managed to get a bursary i um you know i'm matriculated with four distinctions um and cricket's given me that bursary and even though i'm not studying it now it's definitely you know molded me into a human being where i can be appreciative of what we had but um so that was one of it and then the, there was a very dif- a very very difficult time in my life um in the space of 4 years i lost five people so the first one was um the first one was my dad in 2010 mm-hmm. and then 4 months later it was his sister so it was my aunt yeah um left and then in 2013 this is probably the biggest one because i first retired international cricket in 2013 okay. i was in india at the time at a world cup and i lost my baby sister she was only 21 at the time oh, no. and it was a car accident right so then i then i said look i am i'm done i i because actually i was on a cricket tour when i lost my dad as well mm. so i felt at that time cricket was taken away my my sanity you know it took me to a very very dark place i said i want nothing to do with cricket after my sister i said i'm going to go and pursue my studies i'm going to do this um and then with some miracle i a lot of people ask me this question what made you go back into cricket then and for me i i don't have a solid answer the only thing i can think is a higher power um i prayed a lot I asked for so much of guidance. I just asked for help. I asked for care, I asked for guidance and I had a brilliant so, so I went back into cricket and I said okay, I'll just play provincially. Um and then I had a stellar of a season. I mean, I averaged I averaged 99 with the bat the whole season. Wow. But when I got selected, yeah, when I got selected for South Africa, I was the opening bowler and batted number 11. <laughs> so, anyway, um so I got they they recalled me back in the team and they said we want to offer you a contract so I was uh it was my first time I'm getting paid for play now um and you coming in as the number 3 batter which was brilliant 
And um, so obviously I went through that and then I lost my mom's sister and my granny in 2015. Um, but I believe at that time I was a lot stronger and I realized it wasn't cricket. It's just how life happens. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, at that point I realized, I realized life is tough. But I've also realized I'm also tough, mm. um, and I think, and I think that's what gets me through a lot of things. Is that, you know, regardless of whatever life throws at you, you've got to throw it back harder. I'm not saying there's going to be days where I'm I'm always positive or always you know have my you know, my working shoes on and we've got this. But I've also come to realize realization is that it will happen, but it's just about how you deal with it. Because at the end, at the end of the day, regardless of what situation you're in in your life, it's definitely not permanent. It's the yeah. same thing as you could be happy. That's definitely not going to be permanent. So what I've decided to do was just in this moment right now, I will enjoy to the best of my ability, and whatever comes up next, I'm better prepared to handle it. Um, so yeah, there was lots of disappointment in my career. Also, like I said, I've played over a span of nine years, but I I didn't play a lot of cricket. So whether it was the backing of the coach or the structures, I also had to take that into cognizance. But what that drove me to do was I didn't want to be that coach for the upcoming generation. So I wanted to be open, transparent, and, you know what, let's just make you a better cricketer. Let's think about that first. Um, yeah, and then I'm actually, like I said, I'm very blessed to be in the position I am in today. Well, that, that, I mean, let's. Um, you've kind of almost read my mind because I was going to ask you what style of coach you feel as though those experiences, good and bad, have shaped you to become. But you've already answered that really by saying, you know, um, it's about being transparent, it's being about being honest, and it's about ultimately just helping uh, um, players around you become better players and better people. So um, I think you've, you've already anticipated the question before I even asked it. Um, <laughs> but 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 tell tell us tell us briefly briefly then about the, the the pride and the privilege of being in the the, the role you currently are, uh, because I think many people might not appreciate uh, the significance of 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 this particular um, moment in your career. Yeah, oh, definitely. I think that those are the first the first words that came out of my mouth when uh, my first interview I've done. Um, and they said, how do you feel? And I said, I'm absolutely blessed. I'm privileged. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a massive role in terms of South African cricket because you have your high-performance national team, so that's your South African women's team, and then you have a provincial team. You have your provincial teams. So there's no, there's no in-between. So you take a girl out of provincial cricket, you put them into a national setup, and they get truly exposed. Now, is it the girl's fault? No, it's not. It's definitely the structures we have in place. Um, so the reason why this role becomes so important is that you become that bridge between those two tiers. So I have to create a very high-performance professional environment because ultimately my job, when it comes to National Academy, so that's your SAA side, is to produce pro tiers. I don't want to see those girls back coming back to my program. I want to knock doors up top and let these girls obviously be exposed in an environment where they tested all the time, but very, very much so tested to international standards. If so, or if not more, actually. So when it comes uh, to the National Academy program, those are girls that just got out of school. Um, remember, it's not professional. It's not even semi-professionalized, actually. Um, so I'm dealing with a lot of 
a lot of issues apart from just performance and creating um, cricketers. Because I have to think about the girls' career, uh, you know, the state, their family, where they are, uh, keep them motivated to obviously play for the Proteas. Um, and obviously, they have they, they possess some t- sort of talent. Um, so yeah, not everyone that fo- that goes into the National Academy pro- uh, program will be a Protea, but just my methods and how I go about it is going to be key. Um, so that's that's a pivotal a pivotal part I think. And what I like about it before the National Academy program used to be held maybe two months in the winter, and now with this role I can actually see them throughout the whole year, which is brilliant. Uh, I think that's fantastic. And then obviously for the first time we've got a South African girls and a 19 team now, um, and that's very very new. Um, you know, if if I don't want to kid you, yeah, Tom, it's it's not in a state where it should be. Um, you know, it's not competitive, but you know that's why I say I'm blessed. This is why I say I'm privileged because I get to change this whole system now. You know, I get to produce girls that's more professionalized at a younger age exposed to international crickets, exposed to international standards, and also you're just opening their eyes to the bigger picture. And I think that's why I say that I'm blessed and I'm privileged. Well, I think uh, anyone listening can understand that. Um, even more so now, having heard the the story of you know how far you've come in such a short period of time and you know going back half an hour or so ago, listening to you uh, describe that um, that scene where you first had a go go at cricket because you know world cup fever kind of grabbed everybody in the local neighborhood but you were the only girl to pick up a a bat albeit it wasn't a it was a homemade bat and a homemade ball and chalk on the wall and and then fast forward you know relatively short period of time and you're now in this position where you've got the opportunity to influence the shape and future of you know young women's games um for south africa and uh yeah, it's a truly amazing story, um, and you know, an absolute credit to you. So, what what does the what does the future hold for you, uh, Denisha? What what ambition have you got beyond the next um, couple of years in the in the role that you have, if any? Yeah. Um, also, this question gets asked a lot. Um, and Tom, um, just just the person I am, uh, I never had ambitions to to coach international cricket. Um, what I've always told myself is that firstly, you, you're not doing this for the money. Um, you know, it, it, it's pure, it's your passion. So whatever team that I worked in, I wanted to do it to the best of my ability. And if that takes me up higher, then I'm really grateful. But I would love to sit here and say, yes, I want to coach the pro chairs and, you know, I want to win a, a World Cup for us. And, and I'm sure that's every coach's dream. But I think I'm so... Like I, it, it goes back to how I live my life now. I live in the moment. And look, um, I'm in a position now where you're working with under, under 19 girls. You've got an SAA side here. What, how, how are you going to better their lives? And, and every day when I wake up, that's exactly what I say. How am I going to make this kid better? Whether it's in life or in performance-wise. Uh, you are that custodian. You are the driver of that team. You are the decision maker. How are you going to do it? And if it takes me to eventually coach the Proteas, by all means, you know what, let's do it. Um, but my ambitions now for this team, um, the, the SN and 19 girls, we're supposed to have a World Cup in January, but due to COVID, um, unfortunately, that couldn't take place. So there's talks of moving it to December next year or 2023. 
and I would love to get in the semi-final. I know that I'm punching above my waist here, if I'm being honest, but, um, you know, I think with the right processes in place, we'll give our best shot to get there. And, yeah, I think with the National Academy pro- program, I just want to produce protests, and it's as simple as that for me at the moment. Uh, but, yeah, if I can go to bed at night knowing that I made just 1% difference in someone's life, then I think that's a pretty successful day for me. I think anybody would be happy with that, uh, Denisha, and I think it's a, a very good place for us to to dr- maybe draw this podcast uh, to its conclusion. Um, but I, I know that uh, personally, and I'm sure anyone listening would um, would love to listen to to hear you speak more. Um, truly, truly inspiring uh, words from a very um, very humble and modest kind of perspective on life, but somebody who's achieved and accomplished so much already in such a short period of time. Uh, I'm sure the the young women who are under your care and and custodian uh, custodianship will be um, very much the better for it. Um, and I, you know, I wish along with uh, everyone else listening, you all the very best for this role and for the future. I really appreciate it, Tom. Thank you so much uh, for taking me down memory lane and yeah, uh, where I am today. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. That's our pleasure.